0: Welcome to Evolved Radio, where we explore the evolution of business and technology. My guest today is Alex Dirk of Block Talk, a podcast that interviews the people involved in the blockchain tech space. This is a fascinating area of technology that is quickly becoming recognized as carrying the power to revolutionize finance, automation, contracts, and countless other spaces. Some have even suggested the blockchain technology is the next internet. Many people have heard about Bitcoin, but most people don't know that the underlying power of Bitcoin is the blockchain, which has applications far beyond currency. This podcast is quite technical in nature, but I try to keep it accessible, even if you're not a blockchain tech nerd like us. So I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. So welcome to the show, Alex.
1: Uh, yeah, thanks for having me Todd. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Um yeah, I've been super excited about the space for the last uh year. I've been doing lots of cool interviews and um uh yeah, meeting lots of fascinating people. There's so much going on in the space. I really uh I I I can't uh, even grasp how much is going on, but I'm doing the best that I can, I guess.
0: Yeah, it's really a, a fast evolving space. Uh, I think I'm on one of the po- the podcasts that I listened to recently from you a couple of people uh, kind of joked about the fact that you know if you've been around for a year at all in the in the fintech space it, it it's pretty meaningful and uh the the sort of the evolution and how f- how quickly the the companies are coming in and and sort of disrupting certain industries and and really changing the space at a breakneck pace is really fascinating so it's it's been fun to watch because it's ever evolving kind of on a daily basis
1: uh yeah like i've said numerous times that like uh bitcoin and cryptocurrency is going to make for a great movie one day but uh right now it's uh, it's like the best tv show going on
0: yeah very cool so I guess uh, Alex, if you could how did how did you end up in in uh, the the Bitcoin space? how were you attracted to it originally
1: um, Well, I first heard about it in two thousand ten, but uh, it was just kind of beyond my scope of uh, uh, comprehension but uh, it wasn't until I had someone approach me in like November 2014 asking what I knew about it uh, that I, re- I really started to read more about it and understand really what it was and uh, I guess it was March. I kind of made the decision after going to the bank for uh, numerous times and having them ask me if I was interested in meeting with a, an investor. I was just like, "Well, I think I want to take uh, investing onto my own, uh, uh, on my own abode." And um, I, I decided to actually get um, hooked up with an exchange and uh, buy my first Bitcoin. And just the entire process of trying to get my fiat to an exchange, I knew like that this thing was like going to be big, and uh, that. Not a lot of people are into it yet just by how difficult it was for that initial transaction. Um, And then within, um, I guess, 30 minutes of buying my first Bitcoin, I had bought three other altcoins, uh, just like transferring off the exchange and uh, getting into other currencies. So right away I was uh, uh, found. Fascinated with like how to diversify my portfolio and learn about all the stuff that was going on because as fast as Bitcoin moves, all these altcoins are, are exponentially growing faster.
0: So, for the people that don't really know the the Bitcoin space, the altcoins, you know, Bitcoin is, is kind of got its uh, foothold in the pop culture psychology. the The altcoins are are sort of other coins or other currencies that have been developed through the same uh, ideology, the same technology as Bitcoin, but don't necessarily operate off of. Uh, the same blockchain, as it were, is that is that is that correct?
1: Uh, yeah, that's correct. Like uh, some people have, some Bitcoin purists have referred to altcoins as uh, testnets, separate networks that uh, have their own tokens and uh, have their own developer teams and even their own value. So th- they're much, they have much more freedom to actually like trial new technology and uh, new ideas and be a lot more bold with uh, the way they're thinking and uh, yeah, the, the technology that they're trying to develop. Very
0: cool. Uh, so the the development of the altcoins is is interesting. You know the the Bitcoin is the most sort of uh, established cryptocurrency. Uh, what would be the motivation for uh, you know creating those alternative coins? Is is it you know the that Bitcoin doesn't serve a certain purpose, or they're trying to advance the technology, or kind of all of the above? I guess.
1: I think uh, Bitcoin's use case is probably to be the port for fiat, like um, for. Canadian and U.S. dollars to come into the space. Um, but these other currencies can do other things like uh, uh, like smart contracts with Ethereum being um, one of the newest ones. But, like, uh, there are more anonymous currencies, uh, currencies that are developed for uh, specific purposes like micro-tipping or for uh, gaming or even, like, uh, uh, resources like uh, computer storage. Uh, so, like, you could actually um, – buy a token that uh to pay a, what's called a farmer to store your data in um on someone else's hard drive it's it's a and it's like a much better version of like the cloud like the cloud is just someone else's computer but if you're you're storing your stuff with apple it's basically a big bank vault that's someone's going to want to hijack but like uh the way this other currency works it's kind of like you're you're storing little chunks of your data encrypted in someone's safe in their house. So there's multiple redundancies, it's far cheaper, and uh, it's less likely to be compromised.
0: So, that, that one that you're speaking there is uh, Storage I.O., correct?
1: Uh, yes, yes. Yeah, my I've been, <laughs> yeah,
0: I've been looking at that one as well. And so, uh, there was a, a long, long time ago, there was a, a cloud storage. I don't know if you ever came across this, I believe it was called Simform. Uh, and I discovered it when one of the uh, the link or a, a NAS that I bought had uh, SimForm built into it. And it was a similar idea in that you, you give up a portion of your NAS to share with others. And therefore you get free storage and everyone kind of pools their storage and gets distributed. So I've always been really fascinated by that, that idea. So once I saw uh, storage IO come up, I was like, Oh, this is cool. This is kind of what I, what I was looking at originally. One of the things, I don't know if you've, if you've sort of uh, you've talked with these folks, so you may have some insight on this, but the uh, you know is it, is it really feasible to store sort of that much information, or is it the, the, the cryptocurrency and the, the, the blockchain acts more as uh, sort of a, a contract engine in the center and then the storage is used, or does the storage actually sit on the blockchain? Because when I first heard about this, I was worried about you know the idea of storing that sheer amount of data inside of a, 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 a traditional cryptocurrency was not really feasible in my mind.
1: Well, yes, yeah, so a, a blockchain is very much just a ledger. So it's not really, the blockchain itself is not where you're going to store the data, but it can be used as a token um, to provide value to the network, like a medium of, uh, of uh, commerce. Uh, so it enables you to build these robust systems that don't require any human intervention and, and can be a lot more proven. So like there, uh, there's another coin that I'm really interested in right now. It's Gridcoin. And uh, they're basically uh, the BOINC network, uh, B-O-I-N-C, where you can contribute uh, computing power towards things like uh, uh, protein folding or looking for stars, uh, like analyzing data. They basically uh, created a way to prove how much you were or, uh, taking that proven value of your contribution and then uh, pay you out based on um, your contribution. So they they bootstrap this uh, existing network of commerce and they actually gave a token that is much more liquid and movable and it doesn't exist on the boinks network it's just uh it is like a decentralized network so that's where you can see uh these tokens like um, i guess bootstrapping uh, existing economies and stuff
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, so the the, uh, the cryptocurrency, the blockchain, the ledger, sort of all of these things are, are interchangeable in some degree. They're not necessarily the same thing, but that, that ledger acting as sort of the central record is a lot thinner. And then the, uh, the traditional database functions and the storage still sit somewhere else or the computing power, if it were, right?
1: Uh, yeah, that's correct. Uh- okay. Yeah, so storage is. Uh, they are developing a, a different way, or probably something very similar to that software that you had. Um, it's just they're intertwining the cryptocurrency in a, um, in a much more, I guess, modern way.
0: So obviously, you know, you've been doing uh, the Block Talk uh, podcast for a year. Uh, you're you must be coming across some some really cool technology, some really cool people in that space. Uh, what are some some of the other ones that that uh, have popped up that you find really fascinating?
1: Uh, let's see uh most recently i did an interview with um uh, auger auger which uh they're the ethereum project for a prediction market and then uh i also interviewed one of their competitors uh, uh bitcoin hive Mine. so prediction markets seem like they're going to be the next kind of big wave in uh how markets are going to be affected like how traditional finance is going to be shifted um because now you, you actually can have um futures markets that are much more liquid and much more um, reactive to events and um, actually like predictive of what's going on um, because their manipulation is uh, uh, dialed back a lot more um, just due to the fact that uh, no one is in control. So prediction markets Augur and Bitcoin hive being the two that I'm, I'm watching very closely. Uh, one of the other ones would be um, uh, decentralized marketplaces, so Open Bazaar is one that kind of comes to mind uh, to a lot of people uh, where they 're kind of taking a model very similar to BitTorrent where you host a, your store and uh, and then uh, other people can come uh, to yeah purchase from your store so the uh, you have to go after individual users to shut the entire network down, which For a law enforcement agency, it's just not feasible. So the network will always exist. And then there's also, they have a competitor as well in the altcoin space, uh, Syscoin, uh, S-Y-S. And they're actually putting everything on their blockchain. So it's it's a different way of approaching the problem. And in my opinion, I think there's a bit more incentives for them. And uh, they were just uh, added to Microsoft's uh, Azure platform. So yeah, those are four four projects that uh, I recently interviewed that were very very satisfying to talk to.
0: You mentioned um, Microsoft's participation in the in the cryptocurrency space, uh, and the you know they're uh, going pretty heavy. They they have a blockchain as a service on Azure. Is that, that the, is that the case? Is that the the name of the the, the service that they have?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's essentially allowing like. Um, their cloud services to be used for a lot of these blockchains. So, say you wanted to host a node for Syscoin, but you don't want to tie up your computer all the time. You can now uh, pay for their service and have uh, like one-click access to adding a node. So, I can create uh, one Syscoin node very easily. And uh, um, so, I think in this way, Microsoft is kind of. Um, uh, getting a head start on the competition like before Google or Amazon um, can uh, set up their cloud systems to do this hosting for people.
0: Yeah, they're definitely ahead of the curve. Um, I think a lot of people recognize that uh, blockchain and, and Bitcoin, as it were, Um, The cryptocurrencies as a whole are are very much in their infancy. I've heard some people refer to um, the people that are involved in uh, blockchain technology at this point are the fringe of the fringe. We're really not anywhere near mainstream adoption. So it is interesting to see that Microsoft has picked up on this space so early and are committing uh, some resources to it you know without without a sort of a lot of uh, what you would call commercial application at this point it's, it's so much of this is still in development but it really lends sort of credibility to the, how how uh, how powerful the development of of these technologies going to be you know a lot of the um uh, financial banks uh hedge funds uh lots of these guys in the in the financial markets are starting to recognize the the development of of fintech and originally probably saw it as a a bit of a threat to their business but now are actually starting to see the value in it uh for for the the evolution of their business as well so the the mainstream adoption is is coming i think a lot faster than than certainly i would have recognized it's been been interesting to see that that the the pace of that adoption as well
1: yeah and i i think they they really understand that um they have a fundamental flaw where it's like the settlement time is an issue where at the end of the day, the bank doesn't really know what they own. Um, like they, they would have to clear up all their books. So like there's this huge lag that kind of a uh, settlement kind of goes across the system and has to be cleared through the top of the bank. So in a way it is almost like a, a pyramid scheme of technology. Like uh, everything has to go through uh, like one central authority or one trusted authority. So, This blockchain idea, this decentralized consensus, it's going to help a lot of people. Maybe starting at the bottom, but now the guys at the top, they're even understanding like the second and third tiers. They're like, oh, well, this is going to help us just as much. So, The the private blockchains will be coming and uh, they're already in development. I've already seen a a TD business card that said uh, blockchain consultant. So uh, it's very cool stuff.
0: Wow, that's cool. So the uh, one of the other spaces you mentioned, um, you know, helping people sort of on the bottom or the top, uh, one of the spaces that I've heard talked a lot about is the application for the, the FinTech technology, FinTech technology, really having an application in you know parts of the more remote world like Africa, Indonesia. Um, more um, places that, that don't have sort of the more traditional infrastructure. Uh, you know, I've heard use cases around in uh, African countries where um, the, the cell phone providers actually function as a bit of a bank and everything that they do for financial transactions is, is managed through their phone and comes out on their, on their, their cell phone bill. Uh, which, you know, is, is sort of this, this uh, strange application of what's available uh, and to act as a payment service. Uh, and I think that, that I've heard a lot of talk about uh, how the blockchain could really be applicable in those spaces where people don't really have bank accounts at all, let alone access to, uh, to, to sort of the savings network or uh, the traditional um, uh, civic bank infrastructure as well. And, you know, if they have a cell phone, and then you know they have some type of service. And if they have uh, access to a blockchain, then the, it really lowers the bar for entry for uh, financial services. And that's a huge, huge opportunity, not only for the people, but also as a, a business opportunity for those folks as well.
1: Well, uh, yeah, I think in, uh, in North America, we take uh, our banking so for granted just how, I guess, um, cost effective and available it is for us and how many options there are but like as you say in in places in the world like Africa like they're so hard pressed for banking and like uh, a currency that is um, uh, usable and extremely liquid that it's almost like things are naturally occurring like this is what happened with uh, M-Pesa where uh, a company was allowing people to trade cell phone minutes and then someone was probably at a fruit stand and didn't have enough money you're like well what if I just gave you cell phone minutes and at that point like a digital currency was just created. So this is like the technology um, just bleeding through and uh, yeah, cell phones are are just the first step and I think um, what we're going to be seeing now is traditional banking is a lot like Blockbuster and this thing is like Netflix. It's just going to take over way faster than anyone realizes.
0: So before we got uh, to the the, the formal part of the interview, you mentioned that, that you were uh, involving I- yourself in some uh, fintech application in the agro industry, which I found really fascinating. You want to touch on that one as well?
1: Uh, yeah, so uh, I recently moved back from Vancouver uh, to my family farm in uh, Ontario, Canada. And uh, uh, my goal right now is uh, to see how I can make the agriculture at least the dairy farm dairy industry uh, far more available and uh, public and i feel like the blockchain is probably a really good um, application for that because right now the way dairy works in canada is we are a closed system uh, quota-based supply management so um, just like i mentioned that banks don't really know how much they own like There's this committee that uh, manages how much milk is produced in Canada and is consumed and they're trying to keep that ever fine balance uh, through this quota management. So I'm thinking with smart contracts uh, and uh, uh, the reporting and um, with all the parties involved in digital signatures that we can have a really uh, robust system that's fast reacting and actually is far more cost effective than this traditional um, system. To uh, manage our milk supply, uh, which uh, and this will stem out to other uh, areas of food production. But uh, just with my involvement in dairy, uh, I think I'm poised for a great position here to actually uh, do some changes to the space. I, I expect that one day you're going to see um, QR codes on on your dairy products, and you'll be able to see the the processor that uh, uh, produced it and uh, what milk truck, uh, it was shipped to, the, uh, for, and what dairy farm it came from and, uh, yeah, what day it was produced on. So you get, you'll get a lot more information than your, um, uh, your expiry date. So, uh, th- this is the information I'm hoping to bring forward. And, uh, yeah, there, there there's a lot of people very interested in it. So it's, it's, it's happening quickly.
0: That's really cool. Uh, you, I'm sure you've heard of uh, the product uh, Provenance that's being built on, on Ethereum, right? The, the uh, ethical sourced uh, manufacturing and verification process?
1: Yeah, I'm actually currently in interview, uh, or email process to try and uh, schedule an interview with them, but uh, they are someone that I, I'm very interested in uh, working with because uh, my my technical expertise is only so much and if I could find a team that I can work with and kind of uh, lead the way, then um yeah, I'm all for it. So uh, Providence is definitely on my hit list.
0: Yeah, because they, they what they're doing sounds very similar to to kind of uh, the components that you would want in the system that you're building. Is it, it provides sort of that value chain and all uh, identifies and and categorizes all of the the providers within that chain. And there, I think there's a lot of really real world applications for that because especially when it comes to food production, people more and more are, are aware of you know um, they they want to know where their food comes from. They they want to know that potentially it comes from an ethical farm. That there's some certification processes that are happening. You know, is this actually free range? Is this actually organic? Um, so the the verification of that uh, in some type of open system is just as applicable to food as it is potentially to to manufacturing and to clothing and and all of those other systems. So I, I see a lot of uh, a lot of similarities between those. Is that that uh, similar to what you would understand?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like because. Uh, from um, my personal opinion is that I feel the whole organic movement is more of a marketing scheme than anything. Um, there, there isn't enough accountability or um, uh, yeah, uh, publicity of like the actual stuff that's going on. Um, like the uh, inspections that we, we get a random inspection every year, and uh, I, I feel like if the public could actually see the results of those, it would be far more beneficial. But, um, like, food management um, is something that really needs to be robust and fast reaction. Like, if we get a, a meat recall, um, you want to know exactly the, the so-called taint of uh, where um, it, all the food has come from and what's been interacted in the chain. So immediately things can be red flagged very fast. And right now that all happens in the back end. But if it can happen on a more public forum, I feel like it's going to be a lot uh, safer for the food, like uh, where, yeah, you might get a, a ding on your phone saying uh, a recently purchased item uh, is on on, um, on an inspection list. So uh, this is um, uh, where the technology is really going to shine. Uh, the other portion is um, counterfeiting. So as you mentioned, manufacturing goods um, right now it's a billion dollar industry of counterfeiting going on in electronics and like consumer, uh, like handbags and everything like that. So. We're going to see it grow beyond food with just all the products that we have are going to have like this production trail and signatures from the original supplier. So you actually know what you're buying is an Apple iPhone and not like a Chinese knockoff or your Gucci baton bag.
0: Yeah, it's cool. It's uh, This is what I really found fascinating once I started to peel back the covers on. And at the time was just Bitcoin and and discovering sort of what was underneath first understanding you know the cryptocurrencies and the technologies that that underlay that and then understanding the blockchain and the the sort of the wider applications for that was it really sort of bent my mind the potential change that this could bring to really anything and that the you know your your use case is a perfect example of that sort of uh, average conversation you would think well farming you know how how would you know uh, a cryptocurrency technology be applicable there and you know the example that you gave is you know we just went through kind of the list of well it's here it's here it's here it's here so it's it's really interesting to see how quickly any type of industry can adopt sort of this verification system and um the use cases that can be established for uh for those applications grows exponentially limited only in part by the imagination and how it could be applied Uh, and i think that's a big part of why this is such a growth space is that uh, you are only limited by your imagination if there's some type of contract or ledger or any type of record uh for information there's an application around the blockchain
1: yep and um I'll I'll say again with uh, the dairy industry like being one of the more progressive uh, industries in terms of technology like everyone right now has like these uh, fitness trackers and everything Um, we've had uh, ankle bracelets on our our cows to track temperature and movement around the 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 farm to uh, to find out their health and everything for the last eight years so this is all like uh, technology that was kind of pioneered in agriculture and like it kind of trickles down to uh, uh, a more consumer level. So it might be that like uh, the, the farmer is going to have more uh, blockchain technology before the average consumer does. But yeah, th- this is uh, permeating through everything like being that this is such a, a radical shift in the way computer science is done. The decentralized consensus is a, is a massive change on, on, on the entire front.
0: Very cool. So the, the farmers originally brought us our food now they're bringing us our technology
1: yeah yeah i hope so <laughs> cool
0: so i guess uh what do you see for kind of the future you know you've you've um, you've been dipping into the industry and really sort of getting deep to understand the, the the products and the projects that people are working on what do you see sort of the or the course in the next couple of years and the progression of this technology
1: um i think it's going to be um, uh, a lot in the uh, public sector so like uh government systems are going to be phased out but also like uh, well what's something that we all interact with every day that we all share and what a lot of our taxes go to well it's the roadways so when you have the advent of something like self-driving cars coming along where not only are consumers or um, um are sorry residents of a country using um these roadways more often now you have much more companies um, So these self-driving cars are going to be these mobile computers, these Wi-Fi hotspots. Uh, They're going to be nodes. They're going to be miners. They're going to be reporting on um, all the events that are going on. So uh, I said, like, these self-driving cars are probably going to end up being, like, police officers, like uh, where you could get a tip uh, of uh, the ticket that you issued to that guy who just cut you off. Or, or, like, you could be bidding on um, a parking space before you even get there. Um, to uh kind of have a rationalized demand so like you you're, you're going to be seeing a lot more uh, i think uh, uh this technology coming uh uh in terms of like highways and um, city streets uh like um, j- just the uh the public sector roadways and whatnot so that, that's uh, an area that i'm i'm seeing a lot of potential growth
0: uh, and sort of the ubiquity of the the uh the technology will really surround us right it'll be interesting to see how much of how much of this has to be interacted with versus it just kind of happens in the background. You know, you hear a lot of people talk about the rise of the algorithm and how much of our lives are really... Uh, determined by algorithms you know, that are in for a large part invisible to us and I think uh, it'll it'll be interesting to see sort of how the the level of play that that then has uh, as the, the necessity for those algorithms really becomes uh, an exponential growth uh, and how much do we have to sort of touch these things and manage them versus they just kind of really happen and we forget that they're they're occurring in the background
1: uh yeah pattern building will definitely be uh a large portion of our recorded future. I, I guess uh, we're we're coming into a, a time in, in human history where pretty much everything is recorded. Like um, ten years ago, like celebrities were talking about the fact, uh, uh, it's like, oh, so you mean everything I do now is going to be recorded and uh, saved for all time? Well, they had that kind of epiphany moment of like, geez, like, um, like everything I do is going to be recorded. Uh, But now like uh, uh, we as consumers or we as the average Joe are are going to have this um, the same sort of uh, recording of all of our lives, like uh, where every moment is going to be calculated and measured. And uh, through that, we're, we're going to have a lot more measurement and predictability going on. So, uh, I mean,
0: a lot of people would apply kind of these nefarious things to those ideas, right? That, you know, the computers are always watching me and everything that I do is somehow recorded in some database somewhere. And the, the video, all my emails and, you know, there's this certain level of paranoia around how prevalent technology is in our daily lives. Uh, do you think that that becomes less of an issue as as people just become accustomed to the idea that uh, these things are there these things have been there for a long time and it's never really caused me any grief is is it a generational sea change that you know the, our, a younger generation is just simply more comfortable with technology and it's it's uh, it's ever presence in their lives or do you think that that there'll, there'll be some issues there
1: well, I, this comes down to the question of uh, the right to privacy, and I think uh, privacy will always exist. Like, if I go up north to some cottage uh, with, with no technology with me, then, yeah, I'll be completely private. But uh, in our normal interactions, we're going to see a lot more of, uh, of this um, recording uh, to a blockchain or uh, to, to the the Internet. Um but uh, what, what I've really realized with Bitcoin, like a lot of people have now said like, oh, well, Bitcoin's not really anonymous. Everything is re- uh, recorded. is like, OK, yeah, so that makes Bitcoin a terrible thing for criminals to use because there's all this evidence. But it makes it a perfect thing for um, charities to use uh, because it allows you to be so public and so uh, uh, build such a reputation. And if that's all, all the main issue, I think humans have always had is uh, building credit like uh reputation is just such a huge part of our lives where we have to have this trust of built upon other people's trust. And, um, it, it, if we can uh, all, I guess, have like this, um, built history, wh- whether it's like our, um, uh, a conscious history or if an unconscious history, like, um, it, it's going to benefit us all greatly. But the other thing I want to expand on here is, um, uh, being that this is public, uh, now we're all on the level playing field. Now, like, uh, governments will have to will be on this public blockchain. Like, ne- nefarious actors, like the people that we are looking for, uh, they're, they're going to be public as well. Because like, um, what happened recently with the discussion over who was funding ISIS, well, Russia and China go to the SWIFT network and say, we want to see the data, we want to see where the money's flowing. So like, they have to request that data. But if uh, we're all in this public space of uh, recorded history, well then we're all able to audit each other and i think humanity as a whole will then identify the nefarious actors
0: yeah it's kind of lends itself to the idea that you know if you want to participate in the modern world you have to accept what that means right
1: exactly and and i know it seems like a a very um uh, terrible thing to say is like well i have nothing to hide so therefore i don't care we'll always have that some form of privacy like there there will be the the area in your house uh, wh- where I think you can have that privacy or um, you'll be able to kind of uh, escape. But at the same time, yeah, in the public uh, areas that we live in, in the cities that, that we wanted uh, to live and interact with each other, uh, privacy is it, ha- it will be evaporated. Uh, it's an unfortunate thing to say, but there, there's no way you can interact with other people and not have privacy or, and have privacy.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's uh it'll it'll always be a, a bit of a delicate dance until, you know, as some people suggest, we just get to the point where everyone knows everything about each other and that's sort of the accepted part of life. I don't know that we'll ever necessarily get that far where it's kind of this this true idea of, you know, essentially telepathy, that, you know, the the hive mind idea. Um, it probably goes pretty far down the slope uh, of reaching that. It's that's uh, arguably in the far future, but not too far future. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how how cultures definitely adapt exactly, to yeah. that, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Like uh, we're already seeing kind of this radical shift in um, in governance and in uh, even how like religions are treated. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, we're on like um, this kind of event horizon. Like we're in, in the middle of this. Uh, 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 exponential curve, you know, right uh, where it's coming from um, almost absolute zero and then going to almost absolute infinity. We're, we're always on that kind of fringe, but I feel like this is kind of the halfway point.
0: And this is, uh, these are the reasons people find this space so exciting is that, it, you know, it, they, they call uh, fintech and, and sort of the cryptocurrency space the next Internet because it really has a fundamental capability to change the world both from a cultural, a technology, uh, and human interaction space. And uh, you know, it's, it's not just about you know, fancy internet currency. Uh, you know, this technology will revolutionize computing and cultures, I think.
1: Yeah, Bitcoin is very much a, like a three-sided triangle. It's a revolution in politics. It's a, a, a paradigm shift in technology. And uh, it's um, setting us on a better trend in terms of economics. Because uh, this whole approaching um, uh, 21 million, I think it's kind of uh, what we're going to be seeing with um, uh, automation in our production and like how the GDP essentially needs to stop like, uh, or stop growing. We need to find like an equilibrium in GDP. So this is like my, my general thoughts of Bitcoin. It's just three main things that it's going to kind of set us on the right path.
0: Well, it'll be uh, incredibly interesting to watch and uh, we'll definitely follow the events in the news and, and keep tuned into uh, the Block Talk podcast for more insights on the projects and the people that are that are changing the world, as it were.
1: Uh, yeah, I'll actually mention that uh, next Tuesday on March 29th, I am uh, doing a podcast with uh, Vlad Zampir of uh, the Ethereum project. He is in charge of the uh, Casper fork, um, And, uh, yeah, I'm super excited for that. And then I have Augur coming back on for their beta very soon. Um, So, yeah, look up uh, Block Talk on uh, on, uh, YouTube. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter. Um, I'm Alex underscore Sterk, S-T-E-R-K. And uh, Block Talk is Block underscore Talk. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much uh, my shtick.
0: All right. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. Appreciate, uh, the, the effort that you're putting into, uh, into the industry and, uh, it's great chatting with you. Thanks, Alex.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much.
0: Okay. Take care.